0: Excited that you're here. You know, we're in a new year, uh, which means God wants to do some new things. I know that, that for me personally, I, God's really been challenging my heart um, <clears throat> on, uh, on opening up to what he wants to do. And, you know, I've li- you know, if you get in a routine, even as a church, many times you get in a routine, and we know we're going to have women's conference and men's breakfast, and, and we're going to have Sunday worship, and, and all those things are outstanding. you got to have a good plan. Everybody say, I need a good plan. But sometimes God wants to interrupt our plans. And, and, and so you got to have a little bit of both in that. So God's really been dealing with my heart about just opening up and saying, God, what do you want? What do you want to do? And, and how do you want to direct us into this time? And, and, and you know, with our families concerned, our marriage's concerned, our businesses are concerned. Uh, because here's the reality. Come on, God is all-knowing. Uh, he's a good God. He's full of authority. He's full of wisdom. And he has a better plan than we do. And And the scripture says it like this it says that that uh, it says it says, "A man is right in his own eyes, but God weighs the heart. Man is right in his own eyes, and God weighs the heart and so I've always been a, a kind of a strategic uh plan kind of guy where where I want to have a plan and I want to execute the plan and and I don't think there's anything wrong with that I think uh, every, every person who, who's out to accomplish things in life, that's part of our model. But, but I think many times where I've missed it, just, just being open, is sometimes I've been so strong in my own plans that I've kind of got to a point where it's like, God, do you have the right to speak into my plans? Or do you have the right to interrupt uh, what I'm trying to do? And so three things, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago that, that, that I thought really impacted my life. Three things that we can avoid in life is pain uncertainty, and then, and then how that applies to our faith or our work or our expression in life. And so the world's con- uh, 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 view of, of those three things is way different than God's view. God has a way of allowing pain to take us to the, his promises, uncertainty to lead us into trusting him, and then he empowers us with faith. Come on, to walk that out. And, and the world's view is this, is that pain leads to coping. And, and many of us, we, we've been through that process or we've dealt with that and, and, and I'm sure that you've been through circumstances of life where pain was so strong that it was like, okay, how do, how do, I, how do I go beyond this? And, and Pastor Daniel did a great job a couple of weeks ago of talking about he was going through a level of pain years ago that led him to a park bench and he went from the park bench to the pulpit, come on. And so pain, is, is, it can't be avoided. It's a part of the process of life. But what the enemy wants you to believe is that pain is the end and not the beginning. In, in God, pain is the beginning and not the end. Come on, somebody. And so when we go through pain in life, it's not to destroy us. It's not to, it's not to, to set us back. It actually leads us through, through the Word of God to a place of, of leading to God's promises. And when you get a hold of the promises, and Pastor Daniel just did a great job of talking about the benefits when you get into the promises of God, you get into the will of God. And when you get into the will of God, you get into the power of God. And, and he wants to work in that, that, that mentality. And so pain, pain's not a bad thing. Everybody say, pain's not a bad thing. And, and, and as you're walking through that, listen, pain leads to the promises. Uncertainty leads to trusting. And then God empowers your work, your life, your expression, come on, and fills it with power to do the things that you could not do on your own. And so, you, you can raise some kids on that. Come on, you can, you, can, you can pastor a church on that. And so, here at the live Church, we, we, we want to lead in that direction. And so, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about what are we holding on to? Are we holding on to just inspire our motivation, or are we holding on to inspiration? Are we holding on to good ideas, or are we holding on to God ideas? Are we holding on just to being busy, or are we holding on to being better, right? And so, all of these things we've got to look at in our lives, it's, it's not just K, Sarah, Sarah what will be, what will be, and God, God puts us in this life, and, and this morning I'm calling it the divine life. Everybody say the divine life. And, and through that process, God, God makes our life bigger. There's the human side, and then there's the supernatural side that God fills us with his spirit, his goodness, his kindness, his gentleness, and all those things, but he brings that different aspect to empower us, come on, to be a light to the world. And so how do, what's that look like? Acts 17, verse 29 says it this way, And I think this is powerful. It says, therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature of God is like gold or silver or stone or something that is shaped by the art or man's devising. And that's what I'm talking about this morning. There's an aspect of what we can do and there's an aspect of what God can do, right? And so when we think of God, we're not just thinking in terms of gold and in silver and art and and buildings and those kind of things. We need all those things But it's deeper than that. God is bigger than that. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end. I mean, he's got got a greater design than just what we see with our human lives, right? There's a supernatural side. God's up there right now. Jesus is up there preparing a city for when he comes back for a glorified church. He's preparing a city. Come on. And I can't imagine what that city will look like because Jesus is designing that. Now, that's for another time and another place. But right here, we're, we're dealing with, with flesh just like Jesus did. We're dealing with temptation just like Jesus did. But, but in the process, we're not exempt from being messed with, right? Uh, 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 the, you know, the Scripture says that, that Satan came after Jesus was fasting that the enemy came down and actually tempted him. And remember, he tempted, him, he said, hey, Jesus was hungry. He said, if you're hungry, turn this, turn this rock into bread. Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And then he also said, he said, it took him up, he took him up on the mountains and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. He showed him all the, all the places. And, and, and the enemy was, it's, this baffles my mind, but because, because uh, the thief knew who Jesus was. And he still messed with him. He still sifted him. And he takes him on the mountaintop and he's looking out and says, I'll give you all of this if you'll bow down and worship me, if you'll make me your idol. He said, I'll give you all of this if you'll bow down and worship me. And Jesus looks at him and says, hey, Jack, it is written, you shall shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And so Jesus said, I don't need your kingdom. I don't need your trickery. I don't need your false promises. I don't need the things that you're telling me will fix my life and I know that won't fix my life. I'm worshiping my Father. I only do what he says to do. I only say what he says to say. It is written, I will worship the Lord my God and him only shall I serve. And so what he was saying is, is I'm I'm not gonna put anything in my life more valuable than my heavenly Father. Because in my heavenly father, he's the creator of the world. Come on, somebody. He created the mountains. It it, it amazes me that the enemy says, I'll give you all of this when God originally created it. Come on, somebody. And listen, if if the enemy would tempt Jesus, do you think the enemy's not going to mess with you? Somehow we got saved and and we avoided the process of life. I've just learned this through through the times is, is how arrogant would that be for me to say, hey, I'm serving God, but, 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 the, but, I'm, but I'm exempt from that because Jesus is in me. Listen, Jesus said in this world you will have trouble. And, and he said, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So where does our answer lie? Our, our answer lies by putting our heavenly father as the number one value in our lives. Seek what? First, the kingdom of God. And so that doesn't mean we avoid the pain. That doesn't mean we avoid the uncertainty. It doesn't mean that, that we, won't, we won't be tempted. Listen, if he's dumb enough to tempt Jesus, come on then, he's dumb enough to tempt us too. But I got good news for you. Come on, you have Jesus living on the inside of you, who's empowered your life with not human power, with not, with not silver and gold and stones and art, but you have the, the same power on the inside of you that the scripture said raised Jesus from the dead. Look at somebody and say, that's real good news this morning. So you may be sitting next to somebody this morning saying, man... They don't have it all together. They got some things in their life. They're not handling the pain right, the uncertainty right. They're they not handling the things right. Listen to me. But you're in the right place at the right time because Jesus is the answer. Come on, that will lead them to not what they are but what they will be. And he wants us to, and, it's, and in life, it's what we're becoming. It's, it's what we're learning, not what we've learned. It's what we're becoming. But it says here in Acts 17, I want you to get a hold of this this morning. It says, and it says therefore... Since, uh, 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 in, in verse 29, it says, therefore, since we are the offspring of God. So if somebody might ask you, hey, where are you from? Well, I'm from Texas. We're at West Texas. Come on, somebody. What's in West Texas? A lot of wind and a lot of dirt because we ain't seen rain in months, but it's coming. Come on. And, 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 and what family are you from? Well, I'm from the Smith family. Or I'm from the Jones family. I'm from, I'm, from, I'm from the Martinez family. Come on, somebody. And and all those things are correct. Maybe that's where you came from, but that ain't where your calling came from. It says here that it says here that we're the offspring of who? Come on, get this in your heart. It says that we're the offspring of who. And so we don't we, we don't have to identify necessarily where, where we came from in the past. Listen, God God delivers us from our past and sets us on the rock so that we can move forward. And so you know, I'm not just, I, I, I started thinking about this. I was, I was sharing it with Kelly in the green room. We're the offspring of God. We're the offspring of God. You know, I, I was raised by Roy and Mary Jo. Oh, that's good West Texas name right there. <laughs> and, and, and I was raised well in that capacity and, and not in a perfect family. We, we, we all have, the, you know, Pastor Daniel talked about iniquities. There's, there's things in our family, just like in any other family, that we don't want to identify. And the good news is, because of the blood of Jesus, we don't have to identify But they raised me, but I'm the offspring of God. Come on. And you're the offspring of God. So so when we got saved, we became what? The righteousness of God. We were delivered not by our own power. We were delivered out of, out of darkness and put into the kingdom of light. And so we immediately, there was a spiritual shift in your life. And so, so in our lives, listen, we may have gone through a family. We may have been in times of struggle. Or maybe we came out of families that were, were broke, busted, disgusted, or or, 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 or or alcoholics or went through a lot of things and those kind of things. So if we're not careful, we'll identify for, from where we came from. And, 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 and that, that kind of becomes the focus, and the enemy will use that echo in your life, and that echo will keep speaking and speaking and speaking, because he knows how to do that. He's the thief, right? He comes only to kill, steal, and destroy, but the Scripture says that when we were delivered out of darkness, listen, we no longer identify as just the offspring of where we came from in our human content. Now we're stepping into the light, so we're standing here today, come on, as the righteousness of God. We didn't earn it. We didn't buy it. We can't do enough. Come on, we'll never, we'll never do enough for that to be made whole. Jesus made that whole. And, that, and there's a grace in that. There's a peace in that. And so we're the offspring of God. We're, we're, we have God DNA. If, G, if you've received Jesus into your life, there's God DNA inside of you. God puts something new inside of you. If you're here today and you haven't made Jesus Lord of your life, before you leave those doors today, you will have new DNA on the inside of you and it won't and it won't be something that you have to, to 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 go back to where you came from naturally. Does that make sense? Why? Because I'm the, we're the offspring of God. And the scripture says that we have his divine nature. The scripture says that we have his divine power working in us. So I may have grown up jacked up. Come on, somebody. I may have grown up in circumstances of poverty and and, and those kind of things. But today we stand here filled, come on, with a God that is more than enough. We stand here today filled with a God, come on, who takes the messed up, the jacked up, the wore out. Come on, somebody. Fills us with life so that we can move forward. And be the light of the world. So we're talking about divine life. I'm holding on to, to the things that God's given me to hold on to. But all of that becomes divine. Everybody say divine. divine. And divine, is, it just means deity. It means that we value God above all else. We value God above all else. And then, and then he incorporates to us. And, and, and what happens is when we, when we give our life to Jesus, we come to Jesus. We invite him into our lives. I mean, it's a, li- it's a, it's a, it's a life-changing thing, but it doesn't stop there. And what, and what ends up happening is we should go through a process of conforming. There should be a time of, of where you're just going through development and you're, you get a hold of the word of God. You get in church. You get in a group. You get, you get inspired by those things. And, 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 and all of a sudden, it begins to take shape. And, and if you're not careful, the busyness of that and we'll, we'll, uh, it's just human nature, the busyness of that many times becomes more important than continuing to learn or to continuing to grow. And so what happens is we start living by what we've learned instead of living by what we're learning. We, we live by what we've become and not, not, you understand what I'm saying in that process? If you're not careful, and that's why, that's why, as in the divine nature of God, when you receive Jesus into your life, there's a conforming that starts to take place. There's transformation that begins to take place, and that transformation isn't the ability for us to arrange everything. That transformation comes one way, and that's because Jesus gave His life and sent back the Holy Spirit. So we're the offspring of God. So so things in our life ought to begin to change. Our mental status will begin to change. Our uh, God God replaces desires. Things that you used to love to do, come on, and maybe you still do. It hey, wasn't that long ago I was doing dumb stuff. Come on, somebody. But, but in the process, th- your desires begin to change and, and things take shape, not in religion, but because you realize that God is, because God is so much more valuable. He's, he's just got it going on. Come on. And, you know, this morning, you know, Kelly and I were in the, in the restroom, not the restroom part, but the bathroom or whatever what you want to call it. And so uh, I was talking and she was listening. Come on. And I, so I asked her, because we're, we're in a divine relationship. That's what marriage is. Marriage is a divine relationship. And so I said, hey, babe, can you shave the hair off my back? And she, and she looked at me and went, Ugh. That has nothing to do with the divine nature of God. I was just giving you insight to my morning. But, but the older I get, come on, somebody. It's like the older you get, the more the werewolf comes out. Some of you got it on your face. Come on, you need some help. And we live in a culture that's forgot that razors do exist, and, and, and it's just a fad right now. And so instead of growing more on my face, I just started growing it on my back. I, I can't figure it out. And if you're watching by live, live online, we are, we are saved, but thank God for razors. But divine relationships will do things for you and take you, th- take you places that you can't do on your own. I mean, I wish I had an eight-foot eight, 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 uh, eight arm that would reach my back hair. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but it takes relationship. And my point is this. We can arrange all day long. We can plan all day long. We, 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 can, we can try to achieve all day long, but there's some things that we cannot accomplish on our own, and we need the help. And that's what our heavenly Father does. He says that you're my offspring, and I will reach to places that you can't reach. I will go to places that you can't go. Listen, church, even when it looks like God's not doing anything, he's up to something. And so God's always in this process. Being the offspring of God has special privileges. He, he, he delivers us from iniquities, things that have been passed on from our fathers and, our, and our gener- the generations before us. Be, being an offspring of God opens up a whole new mentality of, of abundance. It opens up a whole new mentality of relationships. It, it brings things in our life, come on, that even when it doesn't look like it, come on, God is doing something, and he can reach into the depths of who you are and pull out a value that no one else thinks is there. You've, you've looked at people. You, we'll watch criminal stories and all these things. And you think, man, they can't change. They'll never get it. And the reason that they do not not getting it or didn't get it is because they were trying to do it on their own. But listen, all things are possible with God. There's not a human being on the face of the earth that God can't turn around. And so why? Because there's a divine nature. There's, there's a divine power. And we're, the scripture says that we're to be partakers of that. And so... You know, I, I, I make the illustration of a, a silly story of a hairy back, but, but in reality, I couldn't shave it on my own because I couldn't reach it. And, and, and so through the process, that's what living for God is. He can reach and he can do. He can, he can arrange things that you could not only arrange. And so we've got to allow for a different, a, a, a different model. Your plan is not bad. You need to have plans. But the scripture says a, a man's plan's right in his own eyes. But God weighs the heart. And so when we worship, God sees our heart. Pastor Daniel said it beautifully earlier. When we give, God sees our heart. When we, when, when we worship, uh, you know, w- when we love, God sees our heart. He knows our agenda. He knows who we are, you know. And, and, and in this process, because we, we value God at this level, first. Everybody say first. That, is, that opens the aspect of what worship really is. Because I could ask you the question this morning and say, hey, what does worship mean? Well, worship's when we meet on Sundays. It's not wrong, it's just there's more to it than that. What does worship mean? Well, it means we sing and we have a good band. It's not wrong, but there's more to it than that. It means we clap our hands or we shout or we dance and those kind of things. But worship simply means one thing. It means allegiance to God. It means that God is the number one value in our life. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And, and, and all these things, and, and it will be added to your life. And so there's nothing wrong with having expressions of worship because of what God's done in your life, but it's realizing that God's number one in our life. Come on, everybody say number one. And so what we need to understand is there's some divine things that God wants to do in your life. And uh, a lot of you guys, you're going to go home and get your back shaved this afternoon, I have a feeling. Just keep your shirt on when you come to church next week. That's all I got to say. But God wants to do some things in your life. Okay, will, you get, will you give me just a few more minutes and, and get a hold of what I'm saying here this morning? And so we've got to let God, uh, 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 we, we've got to in, we need to invite him in to do some interruptions of our plans. To interrupt some stuff. Come on, somebody. And, and you, know, I've got, I, I, I get, you know, we get in these routines and so they say, what are we doing as a church this year? Well... You know, we'll do Easter, and that'll be fun, and, we'll, and it'll be powerful. And we're going to do groups, and we're going to do some men's ministry, some women's ministry. Uh, we're going to do powerful youth and kids ministry. I mean, I, those things are taking off and great. But this is what I was telling the staff on Monday. But what a, what a, have we taken the time to ask God what he wants to do and hear from God in this process? And so, so what I'm asking you to do this morning is to open your hearts and, and to take time and say, okay, I've got a good plan for 2023. But God, what do you want to do? My heavenly Father, what do you you want to do? What do you want to say? Where do you want to lead me? I I don't want to do the same repetitious things. It's the traditions of men, the scripture says, that make the word of God to no effect. So what are we going to do here at the Life Church? What are we going to do in our families? What is the thing that's stirring in us to say something different or to allow God to do some kind of interruption? It doesn't have to be the same repeated pattern. Come on. Of every single year, but what, what, even in your own life, in your family, in your business, in your, your relationships, God, interrupt my life, interrupt my life, and 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 I have a plan, but my plan's not more important than Your will, and and it's letting God get in there and get the, what Pastor Walt says it this way: sometimes God gets into your business, and, and I've been through it the last three months. Just a, just a change in that where I had plans of my own, but, but, but just, just like a, 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 a time that God's taken me through personally that says, when are you going to let me do the arranging? When are you going to let me speak into what you're doing? When are you going to let me do some organizing? Come on, somebody. And so finally I was smart enough that I just said, God, you know, I thought I had some things together, but, but, but not my will be done, but your, your will be done. Same process I went through five years ago. Come on, just in a different way. And so in our lives, what, what are the divine things that God wants to do? And don't get lost in the word divine there. It just simply means that, that allegiance to God is all that means. It means that he's number one in our lives as our heavenly father. Everybody say, God's number one. But we're his offspring. Now, in Second Peter, and I'm almost through this morning. That's my first closing. Uh, verse 2 says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God, Jesus our Lord, His divine power has given us all things, everybody say all things, that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which you have been giving to us great and precious promises, that through these things you may be partakers of the divine nature. What did He say? Who's going to be the partakers? You are. I am. Come on, somebody. He said that we're divine. Uh, that, that we would be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And so there's the world's way and there's God's way. There's the world's way and there's God's way. And in, in God's way, it says that we may go through corruption, we may, we may deal with those things, but it says that we can escape the corruption that is in the world. And so, why? How do we do that? By partaking of his divine nature. We're partakers. Everybody say, I'm a partaker. Which, is it, which simply means this, Sunday mornings is, is a rally time. It's a time to be built up so that we can go out there and live the life that God's called us to live, so that we can witness to our neighbors and we can, we can, we can let them see the light on our life and in our workplace, in our communities, in our schools, in our expression. Are you with me here this morning? And so, so Sunday mornings, people say, well, what is worship? Well, Sunday mornings is worship. No, Sunday mornings is a, is a rally time to build up so that we can go out there and worship. Come on, somebody. By putting Jesus first in our life. Are you with me here today? And then we partake of his divine nature, which means it's not about us. It's not about arrogance. It's not about how many times we quote the Bible. It's that we receive the goodness of God. God, I was jacked up. I was messed up. But I've received you into my life. And now that you live in my life, come on, I hold on to those benefits. I, I receive them into my heart. I'm now a partaker of who you say that I am. And so, so what the world says is one thing about you, come on, but what God says is, is what means something. And so where do people get it mixed up? Our value system. And so our values, if you're not careful, other things will become more valuable than seeking God first. Am I helping anybody this morning? Come on, look at your neighbor and say, he's not boring, I promise you. Come on. I mean, I had my wife shave my back. That should have impressed you. I'm sure she's proud of me for sharing that story. But there's a different level. There's a there, we're called to be divine partakers. Come on, somebody. And so there's there's a couple of things I want you to just to, to, to give God permission to do. Can you work with me just on this for a minute? What, what it, it's just allowing God. It's just give simply giving Him permission to be divine in your life. Not to have to arrange it. Not to have to to organize it. Not not to have to. Try try to, you know, shift it up, make it happen, get in the messes. Come on, somebody. The Bible says this. It says, the blessings of the Lord maketh rich, which means brings value to you. It brings value to who you are and to your life, but it adds no sorrow. The blessings of the Lord maketh rich and add no sorrow. I don't know about you. I'm tired of leading myself to places of sorrow. I want the fullness of God. I want to partake of his divine nature. I want to say, God, what do you want to do? You organize it. I'm tired of trying to arrange it. Listen, I've learned in life, I can't change nobody. I can't do it on my own. Without God, nothing's impossible. It just doesn't work. And so God wants to do some arranging in this process. So the blessings of the Lord, they make rich and they add no sorrow. That's the difference in, in the, in the lies of the enemy where he takes Jesus on the mountain. Jesus is smart enough to know this. says, I'll give you all of this if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said, it is written. And what he was saying was this, is I don't want your sorrow. You're promising a lot. And that's what the enemy does. You're promising a lot because it it, it numbs us to dealing with things. That's what he does. You're promising a lot, but I know it's leading to sorrow. I've been there. But it's opening our hearts to say, God, you take sorrow and you turn it into joy. You take pain, come on, and you turn it into a story. You take promises and make them a reality. You take uncertainty, come on somebody, and turn it into trust and faith. That's what he does. And there's a different level of hope. I, 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 I'm at the point in my life, I don't want the hype, I don't want the garbage, I don't want to play church, I don't want to be good at doing church. And we know how to do that. As Americans, we know how to do church. I mean, we know know exactly how to respond. We know what to say, when to say. We get so good at the formality of it. What I want to become good at is saying, God, interrupt my life. Come on, interrupt some stuff in my life. If my plan is not in your will, interrupt that plan. If my plan is not going to accomplish your will on the earth, interrupt that plan. If I'm doing things that are messed up, come on, convict my heart and interrupt my plan and interrupt my life. And give him permission to do some divine interruptions because it's in the divine interruptions that he'll set you what Pastor Walt says on the the trajectory of your life. You know, when I was... 17 years old, my whole desire and my whole life had been designed for one thing, and that was to play football. That's what I did. That's what I put my time into. When everybody else was out jacking around, I was getting ready to play football. And so, so I mastered that process to the point where, where, where I could have went on and played college and had scholarships. I had, and, and, and in that process, I remember about a year before that would have taken place, I got, had a guy named Kenneth Hyatt. And I'm at church as a 17-year-old boy, like bored like most 17-year-old boys would be. And, 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 and you know going through the process now and, 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 and I'm standing there and he, and he calls me out of the service and he says and he starts praying and he puts his hands on me and he starts praying and, 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 and I look at this, this process and he, and, he, and he looks up and he looks at my dad he said this kid's going to pastor and I'm thinking no <laughs> pastors are broke I don't want to be a pastor come on Pastors are wore out. Pastors get the call in the middle of the night. Pastors are the ones that everybody thinks it's their job to do everything. I don't don't want that life. And and, and in that moment, listen to me, I'm in this process. I'm getting ready to go into my senior year. I'm getting ready to go play college ball. And do. And I was going on an adventure, and I had it planned out so solidly. And in that moment, God divinely interrupted my life and said, Yeah, you can go do that because that's what you want to do. But if you'll give me permission, I will arrange the call. I will arrange the things. I didn't understand it then. I do now. You know, fast forward another, another uh, uh, you know, 15, 16 years after that, I decided I'm, I was in ministry, decided I'm done with ministry. I have my own plan. I'm going to be a coach. And don't get me wrong, I had a blast coaching. And, I, and If it was up to God, I would have went, went and played football, and I would have been a coach. If it's, I mean, if it was up to me, that's what I would have done. And I'm in the process threw ministry away, walked away from ministry. What I love about it is God didn't walk away from me. Come on. In the process, got the opportunity, got to do something I love. In three years, built a winning team, got got to experience all that. But then it was divinely interrupted because God said, this is not what I've called you to. You can do it, but it's not what I've called you to. And that's the second time God divinely interrupted the plan. And what I'm saying is, God has a way. He did it to Mary. He did it with Peter. He did it with Moses. He did it with Jeremiah. Come on, he did it with David. He did it with Joseph. I can go on and on and on here. But there came a point where there was a divine interruption, and they responded to that. And so this morning, what I'm saying to you here at the Life Church is, let's take our plans, and let, let's do them, and let's work, and let's accomplish. Let's be the hardest working people on the face of the earth. Let's be the biggest givers. Let's plan. Let's do. But if God wants to interrupt it, Let's give him the invitation this morning to divinely interrupt our plan because when that happens, listen to me, there's things on the inside of you that you don't even know that are there that God wants to reveal. Come on, somebody. There's giftings in you. There's there's hope in you. There's opportunity in you. And if we'll get a hold of that this morning, God will take all of that and package it into something powerful that will help and be a light to other people. Come on, somebody. And sometimes it doesn't look good. There's times where other people are sitting and judging you. There's times where all these things are going on. Who gives a crap about any of that stuff? Come on, somebody. We are divine partakers of the nature of God. When the enemy tries to take your confidence, you rise up in faith knowing... Who called you? Who delivered you? Come on, somebody. I didn't say you would avoid pain. Come on. And a lot of times when other people are going through pain, we think something's wrong with them. They're going through pain many times because God is arranging them and leading them towards the promises of God, like the park bench. And so we want a divine interruption in our lives. Not my will be done, but your will be done. And then we need divine relationships. The scripture says that a city on a hill cannot be hidden. God's church is a city. And if you receive Jesus as Lord of your life, you're a part of that city. And in that city, there is serving and there is love and there should be brotherly kindness. In that city, there there is an opportunity to take somebody who was jacked up and give them a purpose. In that city... There's nations and there's missions and there's, there's groups and there's things, but we've got to understand that a city on a hill cannot be hidden. When you receive Jesus as Lord of your life, you stepped into a new city. Why? Because you're the offspring of God. We're from San Angelo, but we live as partakers of the divine nature of God in his city. Come on, look at somebody and say, I want to be in that city. And in that city's where divine things happen. In that city, it's where divine relationships happen. That's where God puts people in your path that you need. It's in the city, it's in the church where I met a Wayne Barr. It's in the city, in the church where I was connected to a Walt Harris. It's in the city and in the church where I, would have met, I met a Daniel Gomez and a Blanca. Come on, somebody. I got exposed to pastors, what was it? Tacos, what? Al Pastor, come on, somebody. Where I met Hector Leos and was introduced to street tacos and good fellowship. It's where I met a Zach. It's where I met an Abel who built me a belt two weeks ago. My belt broke right before I came out, but pulled it off. Come on, somebody. Wayne Barr came in and said, You need my belt, and walked out. Come on. I told Kelly, If I go out there, my pants are going to fall down. Come on. It's in the city of God where I met a Pastor Walt Landers and a Miss Joanne. And a Miss Joanne who took, took my wife and said, You're going on a mission field. And you're going to speak. It's in the city of God I met a Dr. Rob Carmen. It's in the city of God where God divinely impacted my father and led him into ministry and my mother and that's why I'm here today. It's in the city of God where I had coffee with an Alan Dykstra and we like the smell of it is what we discovered at a men's conference. It's in the city of God I get to hunt with a Tommy and I get to go into and, and to the Olive's Nursery and, and see Kelly bond over these Christmas things and these decorations and these things and I've endured, i got to endure that. That's a joke. Come on, somebody. It's in the city of God where we can say, God, what do you want to do? It's in the city of God that we get to meet all of you. And so, what are we going to do with that? We've got the divine interruption, we've got the divine relationships. Let's get in the avenues. Let's meet the people. Let's let God arrange some things and do some things in that process. And that's the last thing, divine arrangement. God, how do you want to arrange this? Ed Trout gave me a word about four or five months ago and he said, God's confused. I'm like, that's pretty good. I made God confused, Come on. He said, God's just a little confused with you. And I was like, I didn't understand at the time. I'm like, Why? He said, because he wants wants you to give him permission to do the arranging. In other words, you got good plans, but but it needs some divine interruption. And so it's kind of like Abraham going on the mountain. It doesn't make sense, a lot of the stuff that, that was going on there. But when God told him to go sacrifice Isaac, I mean, he's got a knife in hand ready to do it. And God interrupts. He says, put the knife down because you've withheld nothing from me. I'm going to make you the father of many nations. So in this process, what I'm saying, because we're in the city of God as the people of God, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. We live in San Angelo, but we're in the citizenship of heaven. We're in the city of God. Come on. A city on a hill can't be hidden. And so I ask you this morning to stand to your feet with me and make a decision with me. And if you don't want to do this today, I mean, do it when God puts it on your heart. I'm just leading you down this process. But if you're here today and you're ready in your life to say, God, I give you permission to divinely interrupt my life. I give you permission to bring divine relationships into my life. And I give you permission to do your own divine arranging in my life. And you mean that this morning. I just want you to lift your hand high with me this morning and receive that into your heart. Hands all over the building. List. We're doing this together. We're doing this together. And I look back and, I, and, and, and all the, the failures and all the things I've, uh, I've been a part of, there's been success, some good things happen. There's been a lot of successes. But I see something different now. I see a different mentality here today. So to, we're just going to receive this together today. Maybe you haven't received Jesus in order your life. That'd be a great start today. Get this DNA in you. Get that offspring of God in you. And if you are saved, just decide I'm going to be a partaker. But say this with me with it. Lift your hands towards heaven. Say, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I lay aside today all agenda. I lay, Father, aside all my plans. I ask you in the name of Jesus to interrupt my life. It's right there we at receive and listen. interrupt our life, interrupt our plans, interrupt our relationships. I say this, Father God, I ask you to bring divine relationships into my life. Remove the the bad company. Remove the people out of my life. That they don't need to be there. Now, this is, this is a bold thing to pray. The scripture says, Bad company corrupts good morals. You know, I've been around bad company and I've probably been bad company at times. But today that's shifted and changing. Listen to me. Say this Heavenly Father, I invite you to bring divine relationships into my life, into my family into my business, into my expression. And Lord, you do the arranging. And trust him in that. And the last thing today, say, God, arrange my life, every aspect of my life. I want to be a worshiper who values you above all things. I don't want the promises from the enemy that lead to sorrow. I want the promises that you've given The benefits that you've given that leads to joy and strength and courage and fire in Jesus' name. Amen. Say, Jesus, you're Lord of my life and through you I can do all things. Come on. Through Christ, your strength is we Come on, give the Lord a hand this morning. And in that process, listen, last thing I'm going to say. Don't walk out that door and do nothing with this. Let God do some stuff. Man, take the time. Take the time this week and get alone and just say, God, what do you want to do in my life? Pastor says it all the time. Hearing from God, hearing from God should be our number one objective. And if we'll do that, you know, I was in a meeting with him this week, and he just kept saying, I'm interested to see how God arranges this. I'm interested to see it. And, I, and I'm sitting there thinking, he believes this. Come on. And so, so I, it just it fired me up. So there's going to be some divine arranging. And listen, the reason you need each other is because there's going to be some pain in this process. But pain leads you to the promises of God. Uncertainty leads you to trusting in God. And then he empowers your work and your effectiveness to please him by living by faith. Amen.